This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Let's get them out of their seats and into the ring. You gotta be kidding me! No, don't do this! This is the Finishing Move Podcast with Nick Cellini, Big John, and Adam Gillespie. We've got recaps, the latest storylines, and the biggest moments from the week. Now it's the Finishing Move from the Fans Podcast Park. So here we are, another edition of the Finishing Move. We'll talk about what's happened on the past couple of dates in wrestling history this week. We'll also talk more about the WWE slowly but surely moving over to the Peacock Network in just a few minutes. But we are joined, as always, by Big John Ratcliffe, Adam Gillespie, and yours truly, Nick Cellini. Adam Gillespie, you were down in Jacksonville for the AEW debacle. Excuse me. Oh, pay-per-view prior to the obvious us discussing the explosion we put that in quotation marks uh what were your impressions again prior to that happening uh, up until that very last ending i enjoyed the pay-per-view uh, i even enjoyed that match up until the very last part of it um i thought it was really cool it was something i'd never seen before i enjoyed it uh, the rest of the pay-per-view was also fun the, the crowd was into it for the most part um, as we were talking off air, we were talking. About, I was talking about the Sting match. There were some people upset with the fact that that match was, um, you know, uh, cinemagraphic match. I guess is that the word we're it using? It was like AJ those? Styles when he wrestled the, the Undertaker. Undertaker. Yeah. It was a movie. Mm-hmm. It was a movie. So there were some fans. I don't know if if they came there just to see Sting, but I was thinking. I mean, if you came there just to see Sting and just to see his return to the ring, you ended up basically just watching it on TV. Because that's all they did was a big projector in the And they uh, never promoted there. it that way. They did not. They sold it as Sting's coming back to wrestle. Yeah, and it's going to be a street fight. That is it. Yeah, I mean, there were probably, there may have been people who came there for that reason and then were very disappointed. So there were a couple big mess-ups, uh, I believe, along in this pay-per-view for AEW. Uh, but overall, I still, I still enjoyed it. But what do I always say, John? It's how the pay-per-view ends is how Remember you— left with. Is how you view the pay per view as a whole, and that one ended badly. Yeah, it was a uh, kind of sad. I mean, you know, we'll take the ending out of it for right now. I actually have proposed a theory on why AEW had the issue. Well, but I, leading, I'm looking up, forward to hearing this. Leading up to that point, uh, everything else it was, you know, definitely entertaining. I maybe, you know, I, I'm not going to oversell it. I think I had some kind of feeling that they would go that way with the Sting match. We talked about it, where when we watched Sting take the power bomb from Brian Cage, everybody kind of cringed a little bit. And it was definitely one of those scenarios of, look, Brian Cage is a big guy. I, he's very good at his craft. He's strong enough to where he can pick up just about anybody. Well, that's the problem, too. And that's the danger, and you kind of wondered how far it would go and how much would be there. you got to believe that Sting wasn't going to do like Tully Blanchard did a week ago with FTR, and he was just going to tag in, tag out very quickly. It, it All in all, it wasn't bad, but like you said, and, and you know, Adam, it's the last thing that we saw was the last memory that we were left with. I guess if I got to give it a little bit of a better rating, it was a post-match John Moxley where he got up and he made his commentary about it. it. It would be maybe that gives it a better memory, but all the rest of it from that, that match, it was definitely a, 
it was disappointing. You also weren't impressed, Big John, with the lighting. No, when you watch the Sting match, I mean, Sting, you have Sting and Darby Allen both in black and white face paint. It looked like they ju- they literally went and found a building that was on the verge of being condemned, and they had someone running around with a. Ca- it was almost Blair Witch Project esque. Mm-hmm. That had a better lighting with it. Yeah, it, which it, is saying a lot. <laughs> it had poor lighting to go with it. With guys dressed in black, wearing black jeans, the best thing that you could see, which some people might have enjoyed, this was Brian Cage's chest, and that's because he probably forgot to go suntan that night. Mm-hmm. Everything else, it was just so poorly lit. At one point in time, I think he was carrying Darby Allen up a flight of stairs to do like a power bomb. I didn't know what he was carrying at one angle. I was like, what's in front of him? Oh, that's Darby Allen. Okay, well, that's great. You could have put some lights in there or anything, a light on a camera. It, it, I understand the theory of it, the execution. I know they ran into challenges with it, and there are people who are giving them the pass because they are still new, because it is still a new company, but it is do, still definitely hard to defend them at this point where you've been doing the live things properly for so long. And Sting, Adam, correct me if I'm wrong, he really didn't do much in this match, did he? Uh, he did. Yeah, he took bumps. Did I mean, he, he uh, took uh, pumps and gave bumps, definitely. He won the match. Darby uh, Allen took the majority of the oh, bumps, yeah, rightfully yeah. so. He gets thrown through glass. I yeah, mean, I don't it, think Sting's going to do that. No, I, don't, I think he's past that point in this stage. Um, but, yeah, it was it was a good mix. And, yeah, Sting was involved. Uh, I, I hope it leads to him being able to wrestle in person in the future. Uh, we'll see what happens there. We know Christian Cage was the guy that uh, Paul White was promoting as coming to All Elite, and now we'll see what the angle is going to be for him. It was it was kind of strange. He just came out, didn't say anything, signed a contract, and showed off his new T-shirt that said, Outwork Everyone. I'm not understanding the punctuation part. I, yeah. I, I fell grammar class when I was younger. Out period, work period, everyone period. <laughs> so I don't, maybe an exclamation point there would help a little more. I, I don't get it. But, uh, you know, Adam, you and I were even texting about it, and, and I even said, I was like, you know, the only thing I can come up with that would be the irony behind it is, is we're watching WWE where Edge, he looks like he's going to get his WrestleMania moment. If Christian was basically told, look, I'm not, you're not getting a WrestleMania moment. You're not getting another run. There's no, no other chance for you here. We'll put you as a mid-carder. You can go and take on, on – uh, uh, you can take on for the U.S. title. You can take on for the IC title. We're not giving you that moment. Then you know what? He'll do exactly what he did before many years ago where he went to Impact Wrestling. And I can be a bigger star. I get more of an opportunity someplace else. Is he going to be a heel? Is he going to be a face? What's he going to be? He's been both, and he's done a great job at being both. Yeah, we'll find out when he makes his debut uh, on Dynamite as we tape this on Tuesday. Dynamite tomorrow night, we'll find out he's going to make an appearance. Uh, I would imagine he will be a heel, I I mean a face, uh, to start with at least. Uh, He got a decent reaction from the crowd there in person uh, it's not the reaction some of the other names you heard would have probably got as far as a CM Punk or Batista or even Brock Lesnar I heard out there. But those were fans, I think, kind of hyping it themselves. I don't fault AEW for who they brought out there, and I think he will be a good or, or addition to their roster. Uh, and kind of like what you're talking about with his position would have been in, in a potential WWE run. In WWE, he was a, he was a big fish but in a really big pond. Uh, in an ocean. Uh, in AEW, he's a big fish in a smaller pond, so he can make a big difference there. Hopefully, we'll see how it plays out for him. The opening match, impressive as well. The Young Bucks beat uh, Jericho and MJF, and I think now you're slowly but surely starting to see Jericho 
pass the torch. He came in and he gave them credibility as a name, and now he's starting to put over the younger talent. So good for him understanding the business, big picture. And you definitely have to give credit for that for Jericho as well as with someone like MJF. And I love uh, on his most recent podcast, they literally continue the gimmick all the way through the entire podcast. <laughs> they do the entire gimmick as if it is two heels that are doing a podcast. They are taking shots. It's great. And Chris Jericho, whether you know WWE wants to acknowledge it, he'll he deserves to be in your Hall of Fame. I don't know what amends he has to make with Vince McMahon. He needs to go ahead and you give him that credit to say, hey. You, you've earned it. You're the first, what, uh, unified the, the world championships, beating the Rock and Stone Cold for what he's done in the business and what he's doing now. You're exactly right. Helping someone like MJF get to that next step, he has to get the credit for it that MJF he MJF going back and forth, taking the kicks, kind of a, a comical spot as well, but it's all a part of entertainment. Wasn't entertaining. We have to get to it now. What happened at the end? You got Moxley, Eddie Kingston, the one-time enemy, the one-time friend, the one-time enemy. What's he going to be now? As Moxley's in the ring, the ring's going to explode. He covers him like a grenade's about ready to go off. And then, well, how would you describe? You're there, Adam. How would you describe what you saw and what was the reaction from uh, the audience? The reaction was like shock of how bad it was and then like booze and a happiness. And the best way I can describe it is basically like there were four sparklers, one on each corner of the ring post, and they were lit. And, and some so, smoke came out. Yeah, yeah. Lit, not in a good way like the kids say in slang nowadays <laughs> yeah, yeah, either. I mean, and the sparklers went off for a few seconds, and then even on the ground where there were some like barbed wire beds, I guess you would call them, there were a couple puffs of smoke that came out from that. It was not very loud or very impressive, to say the least. Um, yeah, the crown was not happy with it. I think it. Goldberg, when he used to come in the ring, had more, more pyro, yeah, pyro no joke. than Seriously. what we saw. I mean, to, to build it up that way, I guess Tony Khan tried to defend it, but you can't defend this. There's no defending this. No, It's and embarrassing. I, and I think they've got their feelings hurt. Uh, I mean, other legends in the business have come and called them out for it now. I saw Booker T has called them out. Uh, Bubba Ray Dudley has called them out. Uh, and I and now they are actively taking uh, people who are posting the video on like Twitter, having it removed for copyright issues. They've removed some of their posts of of it. Uh, so I think they're embarrassed, and they've hopefully learned the lesson. Uh, we'll take that from it. Big John, what did John Moxley have to say uh, afterwards? And uh, certainly, I, I don't think this was a, a part of the scripted action, if you will. No, you could tell. I think John Moxley was very disappointed in terms of the events that transpired. I think he was pleased with the match up to that final point. Kenny Omega may be a tough son of a bitch, but he can't make an exploding ring worth a shit. And you'd almost want to be, you know, the proverbial fly on the wall as uh, Eddie Kingston is on top of him, saving him from the proverbial. Yeah, what are they grenade. saying to each other? What are they saying to yeah, each other? Sparklers and smoke. And, you know, Emit. Eddie Kingston with the heavy New York accent, <laughs> John Moxley with the uh, Cincinnati accent. You could probably have met. What the F was this? <laughs> Look at that. I don't know what to believe is going on here. Jim Ross, you could hear the embarrassment in his voice oh. at the end, too. He wasn't even really trying to sell it. There there was nothing to sell. You could not sell that. Look, I told you, I have an explanation for them. And, and Tony Khan, if you want to use this, you're more than welcome to like, subscribe, and follow it. Currently here in the United States, we are having some issues with uh, our neighbors to the East China, mm -hmm. where we have a tendency to get pyrotechnics from. Mm. <laughs> So there might have been a slight issue with some trade tariffs in terms of him getting quality pyrotechnics here and someone to operate it properly over to Jacksonville to Daly's place. 
and that's where we've run into a Who knew problem. this was a worldwide incident? Exactly. Yeah. The AEW has made themselves a worldwide product, and we are having worldwide dilemmas now. The the talks with uh, New Japan, things of that nature, we just couldn't get the proper pyrotechnics here, and they had to work with what they had. So it was almost as bad as what we see on a weekly basis on Monday Night Raw, what we saw at the end of that pay-per-view. Speaking of which... Bobby Lashley comes out. The Miz comes out, says, I had cramps. The Miz cut a funny promo. I was a champion. I wasn't prepared. It happens to the great athletes. I have cramps. And Lashley then beats him again to no one's surprise. So now what happens? Braun Strowman, also, will he be in the mix with uh, Shane McMahon? We'll talk about that in just a minute or so. But what is the ultimate future for Bobby Lashley? Big John, we'll start with you. Uh, as we look ahead to WrestleMania, Fastlane's right around the bend. I don't know what they're going to do with that, but the, the big payoff, obviously, we talked about it last week, Adam. You start with WrestleMania and you work in reverse. What's the payoff, John, going to be with Lashley? Uh, I think everyone is secretly hoping that the payoff will be Bobby Lashley taking on uh, Brock Lesnar. But it could also obviously go in a different direction as well. It could be Bobby Lashley taking on Drew McIntyre, which I probably enjoy a little bit more. We talked about it. Bobby Lashley against Brock Lesnar, two big guys lumbering. You know, look, Bobby Lashley has five or six good moves. It would be a fun match unless they're going to put in the stipulation that I think people have always wanted. Braun Strong, Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley, they both spent some time in as UFC fighters, MMA fighters, and they add that stipulation in where, you know what, we're going to do a little shoot fighting to go with this. What's interesting, Adam, is you bring up Drew McIntyre, Big John. He was backstage prior to being attacked, if you will, kayfabe, by Sheamus, and he brought up the fact that, yeah, I beat Brock Lesnar. Who did you beat? The Miz? The Miz. So, so maybe that is setting up something, you know, it's a subliminal reference, but maybe it's setting up something between Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar. It, it could be. We'll see. Yeah, that that's a very good point that I hadn't even thought of until you just said that. That is a good point. If uh, I, I mean, Brock Lesnar is a big event guy, and WrestleMania is going to be a big event with fans in attendance again, finally, uh, for one of their pay-per-views. So that could be the thing. And I, like you said, I mean, when Bobby Lashley, uh, when you said John, sorry, uh, when when Bobby Lashley was pronouns, brought, pal. <laughs> exactly. When Bobby Lashley was brought back, that was the matchup. We all kind of yeah. thought, "Oh, are we going to get that uh, Lashley versus Lesnar?" So we could get that. That's uh, interesting at too. Uh, the the MMA angle. Maybe mm-hmm. they work that. I, I don't know how that would work out because you'd have to throw. Unless you really want to fight, you're going to have to throw working punches. I mean, I, I don't know. Sometimes that's a, a dangerous game to play. Now, honestly, I mean, you always talk about you know working backwards. There was once a storyline, was it, I guess, towards the middle of last summer where it was uh, Raw Underground. That would have been a great way to kind of keep that angle going, to work it in there a little bit more, is where they had the Underground and it was the Hurt Business took it over. It was Shane McMahon's deal. It was kind of like a a backstreet fighting type scenario. And we always wondered, all right, where where are you going with this? I mean, you got a bunch of nobodies in here. Braun Strowman would show up. Kevin Owens would show up. And it was just... You know, a good work for some shoot fighting, and you could have worked that in a little bit and maybe had something offshoot there. But it's just no telling what direction that they'll go in. But that would be the fun angle that they would have instead of, uh, I think I even remember reading, I don't know who suggested it, that, um, you know, instead of having them come in in wrestling tights, they come out almost in like their shorts. And they're, they're, as you get them to get sponsors on it, whether it's Jimmy John's or whoever, almost as if they're going out to a UFC ring and do a true fight there and you see what you can get out of it. I mean, you get a little get, little bit of creativity out of it and you get something different than 
just, hey, this is what we have, and you get something a little bit different, a little bit of a new angle that can go about that. I'm not really sure how different it's going to be. Adam Braun Strowman, it's setting up now. He's going to take on Shane McMahon at WrestleMania. Shane McMahon going with the Brock, you're dumb angle. I mean, this is where we're at now. The lowest common denominator. I mean, that really uh, is. I mean, you're dumb. All right, let's fight. I mean, it's it's bad. It, it's like I said. I think this is just Shane McMahon. He's Vince's son. But so. Brock. I mean, that's what you're doing, really. <laughs> Next thing you know, it's mama jokes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is Vince's son, and, and if he wants a match at every WrestleMania until the end of until he can't walk anymore, then he'll get it. And I guess he gets to pick his opponent. And this year, it seems to be Braun, Stor- uh, Braun Strowman. So there's going to be a little storyline that makes sense or that you really need to get to it. They're just going to get to it because that's what they want. Sheamus and Drew McIntyre, I don't know where this is going to go either. I mean, I, who cares? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I hate to say it that way. They're both great workers, but who cares? Yeah, I agree. I And you can see this coming uh, from the moment we started having them forced down our throat as best friends uh, on TV on Raw when Drew was still the champion and Sheamus was his best buddy from over the, over the pond. You know, it's it's... I'm not into it. It doesn't do much for me. I don't think you're alone. I'm not buying into it. I don't know if this will probably get something at Fastlane between these two guys. And unless Drew is going to go on to face Bobby, we'll probably get it again at Mania between the two of them. I'm not really sure. I I thought about it. Is Drew McIntyre better as a heel? Can he be like uh, Seth Rollins? Can he cross back over and say, I tried to give you fans everything and and it didn't work? Does Does he team up with Sheamus and they become a heel tag team? I don't know, but I think he's a talented guy that just doesn't have a role right now. John. I think that's part of it. I don't think he did better as the gimmick that he had, where you you added a little bit, another layer, another nuance to it, where you gave him the sword, he comes out in the kilt, it added another layer to his character, so to speak. I don't think he can take that change where he goes back over to being a heel. I think he's going to have to work as a face. And I think what you would have done better is almost Sheamus could go over to being a face better and letting them be this dominant Celtic tag team that comes out because your tag team d- division ultimately on Raw is non-existent yeah. right now. So one guy yells at everybody all the time. <laughs> it gave you something to have that could work there, and you could have went with that angle, but I don't think you can make him a heel at this point because I don't think he can make that crossover properly. How many times, Adam? How many times is Randy Orton going to throw up black goo? <laughs> I mean, he's, he's a veteran. I know he's trying to do what's right for business, but even he's got to be looking around going, what is this? I- I'm doing this again? Yeah, I was like, can we get there? It's again. I don't know where Bray uh, Bray Wyatt is. I don't know what's holding him back from being around right now. Hopefully, he's okay. But man, yeah, we need to speed this storyline up. Get past the black goop stuff. Uh, and, Randy and Orton yelling at himself. <laughs> I mean, what, what, what's happening here? Can I tell you that when this came on, I actually turned the TV off. Yeah. I, I was like, you know what? I know what's about to happen. I'm going to go do something else. I can get in bed a little bit earlier tonight because. I know how this is about to go, and if I miss the payoff, so be it. But I get the strange feeling we'll probably make it to summertime. I'll make that prediction. We'll make we might make it all the way to SummerSlam, seeing this over and over again, and then we're stuck looking at it like, and we finally get the payoff. Pain play. How about stop? Can that be one of the options when it comes to this program? Speaking of programs, I guess the WWE Network is going to move to Peacock right before next month's WrestleMania 37. They're talking about. Content beginning to appear on March the 18th, and that's three days before the Fastlane pay-per-view, but they're going to slowly but surely, the entire library, from what I understand, isn't all going to be on Peacock. It's going to cross over slowly, which is kind of an odd way to do it. Yeah, I guess it's to not leave high and dry. People who, like myself and us that are on 
the network, I guess, and maybe not on Peacock yet. I have now signed up for Peacock uh, in anticipation of all this uh, for the free account. I don't think you get the pay-per-views on the free account, so I'll have to you know, so pay for another streaming service now. Uh, but it's it is and I, I don't it's interesting. We'll see. I do like uh the fact that I can go to the WWE network and go to like any Nitro from its whole entire run and watch it. If that's not available, do I still want to pay the money for that? That's the question we'll have to ask. I mean, the library is the key. I mean, yes. John, we know this. That's why Vince McMahon bought WCW. He had no other plans but to control the library. And I think at some point in time, the entire WWE channel network is going to go away. I think he's going to realize, you know what, I do better selling this off in increments. I mean, you know, for those who don't know, like with Netflix, you pay Netflix basically pays a subscription to have something on their station, on their streaming app. And he probably realizes I get more if I do it this way. No one's, you know, I'm not getting what I want in the return on it right now. Your your original shows, there's a handful of original shows that they put on the WWE Network that are slightly entertaining. But for the most part, I think at some point he's, he'll start to realize – like everything he does, if I pimp this out properly, I can make more money going this direction. Let's uh, take you through some wrestling history before we get out of here. 30 years ago today, the WCW Power Hour from Montgomery, Alabama takes place. The Steiner Brothers defeat the fabulous Freebirds. This edition is Michael P.S. Hayes and Jimmy Garvin to win the NWA World Tag Team Championship. I wonder if these guys... I don't know what Scott Steiner has and what he doesn't, but I wonder if a guy like Rick still has the NWA World Tag Team belt. Do you keep that belt somewhere? Where are those belts today? I'm sure Michael P.S. Hayes has quite the collection. I would imagine. I, there are a lot of collectors out there that have a lot of these belts. I hope that someone held on to these for just – but it's one of those things you just don't think of it in the moment uh, to hold on to this because 20 or 30 years down the road it's going to be a cool item to have. Uh, but you would hope so, and both of these guys – Talk about a gimmick that wouldn't fly today. How about the fabulous Freebirds? You would not be able to do their gimmicks. Well, how about Tully Blanchard and Baby Doll? Some of those angles, when he smacks her. Exactly. You want to talk about something that wouldn't work today? No doubt. Uh, but the Steiner Brothers, one of the most uh, decorated tag teams out there. I'm sure they probably do have some of those belts. I'm, this one in particular, it'd be cool to have. I will say this, John. The Freebirds were ahead of their time in this regard. They actually had their own theme song prior to Shawn Michaels singing his song, they they had their own song coming into the ring, Bad Street USA. Look, Michael P.S. Hayes, he's always said he, he felt like he could have had an amazing rock and roll career, but it, it definitely was something that when they put this together, the Fabulous Freebirds were eccentric? Is that the best word? I'm, uh, I'm yeah, trying they, to play it safe on this one. They, they were different, yes. We pushed the envelope here a little bit, but yeah. they were eccentric to say the least, but it was a tag team that you know, even to modern times, kudos to people who dig dig into the past. They found a way to get their gimmick to keep it going, and to the new day that even found a way to revive their own rule that they put together. It was just a tag team that times have changed. Yes, they have. <laughs> but nobody feels better about themselves than Michael PSAs feels about himself. I think that's been established over the years. Twenty five years ago, this week, ECW presents what is called the Big Ass. Extreme Bash Night 2 from the ECW Arena in Philadelphia. Is that the arena that Bruce Pritchard calls yeah, a bingo, the bingo hall? hall? Yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so it is. It happened there. But some big names. This is the final appearance for Mick Cactus Jack Foley before he goes to the then WWF. Chris Jericho is there. He beats Taz, Rey Mysterio Jr. They both go to WCW after this. I See, the, I didn't realize because I never watched 
ECW. I didn't realize that a lot of these guys, before jumping to the bigger federations, made uh, a pit stop here. I knew that Mick Foley was a part of it, but I didn't realize it was before he became Mankind. I didn't realize Jericho and Rey Mysterio were there before they went to WCW. Their style of wrestling, Rey Mysterio, Chris Jericho, where I don't want to call the cruiserweight style, so to speak, that high-flying style, where at WWE, WWF then, it wasn't really something that they used. They wanted bigger, stronger guys. They wanted more power wrestling moves. And so when you had a guy like Rey Mysterio who came in, was one of the smaller wrestlers, and that's what what ECW wanted was where you're going to do things like a moonsault from the top rope over the guardrail into the crowd of people to hit your opponent. It was the kind of thing that they wanted. And that was where WCW was able to piggyback and realize, you know what? We like this luchador style. We like this cruiserweight style. And that's where they were able to get guys like, you know, Jericho. Benoit spent his time that was there. Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, some of these smaller wrestlers that were high flyers, they were able to be used there because in that proverbial bingo hall, these smaller arenas that they were in. I-74, <laughs> B-52. Oh, my God, a chair! <laughs> that was what they were able to do in these arenas and really get the crowd involved with it. Those chairs, when they used to throw them, the fans, into the ring, I'm surprised more people didn't get seriously <laughs> injured. How do you Concussions? protect yourself from various flying chairs 12 years ago raw came to you from jacksonville florida where adam gillespie was watching the aew pay-per-view over the weekend john bradshaw layfield defeats cm punk to win the wwe intercontinental championship that was i believe the last championship for jbl it also made him the 10th grand slam champion in the history of the wwe joining Shawn michaels triple h kane chris jericho Kurt Angle, Eddie Guerrero, Edge, Rob Van Dam, Booker T, and I didn't realize Jeff Hardy was one of those Grand Slam champions as well. He's back and and still doing his thing over there. Hopefully he uh, continues to walk the straight and narrow. But uh, JBL, a guy that reinvented himself a, a couple of different times, did he not, John? Oh, yeah. He was, uh, what, the cowboy? Then he became a part of the APA, so he was a gambler and a mm-hmm. cigar smoker. Then he became a politician. Yep, he, he ran for president, and, and he just found a way to reinvent himself. He never really changed his moves. He always just came with the simple lariat clothesline that he was able to work in there. But he was one of my favorites because he was just a big guy that was very simple, plain and simple, his cowboy boots, his wrestling attire that went into it. I don't think I even realized that he was a Grand Slam champion until I thought yeah. about it because most notably you think about the time where he was uh, – World champion, he was feuding with Eddie Guerrero and John Cena. You think about the feud with John Cena seemed like it went on forever because it was between that and the U.S. title that they went back and forth with as well. So I didn't even realize that he had become a Grand Slam champion. But I always remember him as uh, also one of my favorite tag teams, the APA. Him and Ron Simmons that basically smoking beer, gambling, smoking smoking cigars and drinking beer, that was their thing, and they became one of the greatest tag teams that was there. I don't know how you feel about this person, Adam Gillespie, but I want to wish a happy 42nd birthday to Melina Perez, who who really is one of my all-time favorites. The way she would enter the ring, well, let's just say it's something I I will never forget. when When I'm older and I'm in assisted living, I may not remember the names of my children, uh, working with you fellas, where I worked, what I did for a living, but I think I will always remember Melina doing the splits. It was innovative. Nick, your kids are here. Who? 
Your kid, Nico, he's here. Who? What about Melina? I remember her. She was flexible. She was a nice one. <laughs> yes, it was very innovative and fun to watch, yeah. I will say. And it's available, at least right now, on the WWE <laughs> Network for you to go back and watch. Very good. Uh, recapture uh, history, if you will. 38 years ago, Allentown, Pennsylvania, the Wild Samoans, Afa and Sika, defeat Chief J and Jules Strongbow to win the WWF Tag Team Championship. I'm... I'm fascinated by this old school stuff for this reason. Because Afa and Sika, Wild Samoans was their name. So you know how they conducted themselves in the ring. Obviously, they weren't that way out of the ring, but but they had to they had to keep their gimmick for the most part. So if, if Afa or Sika want to take the family out someplace and have, I don't know, a nice steak dinner, John, what do they do? Uh, do they gnaw on bones? That's I what mean, I was gonna say. I think of the Neanderthal man. <laughs> I'd like T-Bone in corner with fire. I, I, mean, I hate to say that, but it was the, some of the gimmicks from back then. When you think of the Wild Samoans, and honestly, like unless they really were 100% of Native American descent, Chief J, I don't know if he was, Chief J Strongbow and Jewel Strongbow, you just can't pull I mean, up some you, of these. No. Now? No. no. You can't go out in that massive headdress. And it's even funny, the Wild Samoans, where it's great, uh, I've become a fan of uh, the Young Rock sitcom. And to show them where when they're at events and they the wild about ah, and then they come and talk. No, I'm Dewey's uncle. Yeah, Alpha, Uncle Alpha. <laughs> I guess maybe you it was easier, Adam, for you to pull that off back then because nobody had cell phone cameras and there was no internet. Oh, definitely so. the social media aspect right. of it back then, where you just whipped out your camera. But yeah, maybe and 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 I think there was still that. You got to keep the gimmick alive, and we're never going to admit that this is fake. So maybe it was more accepted in certain areas uh, that that was who those people really were, whether whether that was right or not. Yeah, I don't know. Times have changed, though, John, as you said. 22 years ago, Nitro came to you from Worcester. I don't know if I'm saying that right or not. Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Worcester, I'm sorry. Goldberg and Ric Flair fight to a no contest, but... This was a Kevin Nash idea. No wrestling in the first hour of this episode. Let's try something different. And I guess the numbers, relatively speaking, were pretty good. The wrestling was okay, but for one hour, can you imagine tuning in to, I don't know, anything wrestling-related and not seeing anybody wrestle for the first hour of a program? There are nights on Raw where it takes them 20 minutes or 25 minutes to get to Which wrestling. seems like an eternity, let yeah, alone an hour. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And and people, and they get criticized yep. for that, that it takes so long for them to get to the wrestling. Yeah, I mean, maybe this was, they had so much good graces built up back then in the 90s during the, you know, the Monday Night Wars, they could get away with this at least this one time, but that would not go over today. What's your favorite? Because in this... Uh Nitro, Bret Hart defeated Van Hammer. John, what's your favorite Van Hammer match? Do you have one? This one? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I don't know why that works every time for me. Didn't Van Hammer say he was supposed to be brought in to be the next big thing? Oh, yes. The, he was brought in with the long hair, yeah. and, and he was Didn't set, know how to play the guitar, no. but could pretend like the Honky Tonk well, Man. Well, he didn't know how to wrestle, but I mean... No, he didn't know him, how to do that either. Honky Tonk Man could carry a match. They let him continue on with that. What was the thing with and WCW had a big thing with that. It was Van Hammer. It was remember Kiss or the Kiss Demon. Kiss Demon. Yeah, they just figured you know what Jeff we'll, Torborg. We'll take take musicians and we're gonna make them. What is it? Master P and the No Limit Soldiers had wrestlers. Mm -hmm. They were just gonna take musicians and see if we can make them into wrestlers and see what we can do with the. What would they say? Hootie who? Isn't that what the Master P yes. soldiers used to say? Yeah. Well, it worked. I remember it. <laughs> Doesn't do anybody any good. Not anymore. No, but.
Eleven years ago uh, this week, TNA presents Impact, and it's Hulk Hogan coming back to wrestle Ric Flair, and they thought people would come out in droves to at least watch it. Eh, not so much. The uh, ratings for this show with Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan, um, .98, as in 0.98. Raw pulled in a 3-4. I can't imagine how Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan felt when they got these numbers slapped in front of them. I know people who blood alcohol for DUIs have been higher than the ratings that they just got there. It it was one of those things, and it was sad to watch Impact Wrestling because in the early phases before they had Flair and Hogan and Vince Russo and those guys show up, even at a time where they had the main event mafia with Kevin Nash and Sting, they kind of had a good thing going. And it is almost one of those things where, you know, probably looking back, someone probably said we probably should have just left it alone and stuck with the AJ Styles and and the younger wrestlers that we had. We kind of had something brewing, and then we put this out there. And I know they were hurting for money because this was supposed to be the thing that was competing up against WCW. You know, you had Jeff Jarrett who had gotten involved with it, Dixie Carter doing everything they could to keep it afloat. But once they got there and things like that and they just started trying things, and Sting, to his credit, even not wrestling, he kept them afloat for a while because you love the gimmick, as we talked about earlier, people showing up to see Sting, and then it just kind of dropped off the proverbial cliff. Yeah, Ric Flair, it was his first TV match since he lost his retirement bout to Shawn Michaels oh, at boy. WrestleMania. I'm sorry. <laughs> How long ago was it? It wasn't that long ago, Adam, when you had Team Hogan against Team Flair. Yeah, it was, that was over in Saudi Arabia about they, a year ago. They tried to cut a promo. One guy would go against the other guy just on the microphone. Oh, my God. It, it was, was rough. Awful. It was rough. rough. It was awful. Awful. Ever tell you my Ric Flair story in the airport, what I saw? I have heard that story. It's not alleged. I saw it. I have heard it. I, I was standing right next to it. I was standing right next to his wife when it all happened. She looked at me. She was horrified. Ever tell you this story? No. Ric Flair is going through um, the um, you know security line. TSA. The TSA line at the airport. He's got all purple on. Nice. Purple head to toe. So they ask him to take off his belt. Smaller guy, security guy, I asked him to take off his belt. He flips out. I told you I'm not taking off my belt! And when the head of the TSA comes up and starts trying to calm him down. He goes, I'm friends with the sheriff! He brought up a sheriff's name. <laughs> and the guy goes, yeah, so am I. Take your belt off. He went crazy. He cut a promo. This poor little guy, I, I think the guy soiled himself. And I, I looked at his wife, I was like, oh boy. You got to deal with this, huh? That was fun. He was putting on a show for all the people there at TSA. I think he may have been. But as we were just talking about, where we look at the Wild Samoas trying to turn it off for them, do you think at some point in time, Rick, like even now, do you think Ric Flair has that moment where... I told you I can't go through here. I got a pacemaker. It just snaps in his head, and he has that flashback and just... He walks in here right now and cuts a promo on Adam just sitting there. What are you wearing that woman's shirt for? Yeah, it could be. And he, it just goes off the he, deep Well, end. he's got a Becky Lynch shirt on. That's probably, if you're the wondering man. why he just said that as Ric Flair. Some copyright in You want to talk about there. brilliant timing, oh, perfect goodness. timing. Now, obviously, her and Seth Rollins have a, a child to raise now, but I wonder what the timetable is for her to come back. And Seth Rollins comes back as a heel. What's what's the plan for her coming back? That's a good question. Right? I'm th- I was thinking about that the other day, uh, and I was thinking, I wonder if she'll be at Mania. And I don't think she will, but you know what's really big for returning superstars or for promotions or wrestler, uh, wrestlers on in WWE is Raw after Mania. And I'm hoping that that might be the return date for Becky Lynch because I want to get her back in the mix. She's really good at what she does there now. And um, she's been gone. I think the, I mean, the baby was born a few months ago. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I think she should be able to return if she wanted to do that. Uh, and I really hope that Raw After Mania is that returning point for her. And speaking of children, John Moxley and Renee Young, they're going to be having a child together. And I guess Moxley's going to take some time off now, is he not? Yeah, it'll definitely probably have to be. He'll take some time. Uh, as, you know, they've been married and they're pregnant. And I guess it's kind of nice that, you know, we don't have John Moxley and Renee Young shoving it down our throat much like Cody Rhodes and Brandy are as they're expecting. But oh, they already didn't know that. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm reminded every week. <laughs> every week of it. Now, I, did, I do find it interesting that WWE, they've ha- since had Renee Young back after leaving for, what is it, the uh, Fox Sports South show that she had since she's been pregnant. So I, I guess, you know, you can't completely burn bridges with WWE if you have some sort of draw to go there, or at least if you can host a show that I thought was also canceled. Well, speaking Let's uh, wrap it up with this. 11 years ago today on Raw from Portland, Oregon, Vince McMahon defeats John Cena in a no-disqualification match. As of now, that is the the last match on record, right, for Vince McMahon? He hasn't wrestled since, has he? It's the last win. Uh, I don't know. It all runs together. Yeah. I I I don't think he's going to wrestle anytime soon now. Well, he's 75, so yeah. I don't think... Uh, anyway. He looks great for his age, but the wrestling's over And even there, the he was 64 yeah. doing that match, a no-DQ match with yeah. John Cena, who was in his uh, in his prime. Uh, so you have to give him credit for getting out there and trying. But yeah, I don't think we need to see Vince in a wrestling I don't think it was one. an official match. I could be wrong. Uh, Why would Cena job in this instance? Because it's the boss. Yeah, because the boss says... <laughs> he cashes the check. The guy who writes his name on the bottom line of your check But was it... You. Uh, Evolution taking on Triple H, Shane McMahon, and Vince. They came out and beat up Evolution, Randy Orton, uh, Ted DiBiase, Cody Rhodes. I don't know if they ever got a match, but I know they came down to the ring and they beat them up. And ultimately, Randy Orton even jobbed to him because he let, I mean, he let Randy, Randy Orton let him slam him. Like you're letting a grandfather whose children are as old as you are, grandchildren are as old as you, slam you one I time. I mean, I guess we say. That he's not going to come back, but what have we learned in wrestling? Never say never. Never say never. Never say never. There's no such thing. And that's the theme of this show. Never say never. You never know what we're going to talk about. The finishing move. I want to thank everybody for uh, taking the time to listen. Tell a friend. Tell 10,000 friends. Like, subscribe, and download at the uh, Podcast Park. It's all brought to you by Associated Credit Union. Or Adam Gillespie will find you and issue you a mandible claw. Thanks for listening. A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. 
The fan is ready for Brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves' 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.